Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Finally, the whole, well, he's not, 
he's not a uh, he, he's got two MVPs. He hasn't anything in the playoffs. The MVP is a regular season award. I don't give a damn what anybody says. It's a regular season award. I don't care what you do in the playoffs if you won the MVP. Because guess what? It's not a regular season, postseason MVP. It's the regular season MVP. Very rarely do MVPs win championships in the same season they win MVPs. Look it up. So the nonsense, and let's be honest, this really has to do with the fact that he's a back-to-back MVP, he's white, and he's European. Let's be honest about that. You know, he doesn't look like Joel Embiid. He doesn't play like Joel Embiid or, or Anthony Davis or, or DeAndre Ayton. You know, he's not jumping from from the free throw line and, and all that other stuff. That's not his game. That's not to say he's not extremely physically gifted and physically talented. He just does it a different way, and that's okay. So, you know, can we stop with, with, the, with the, the, you know, can we stop with the nonsense? Give the man his due. Understand the fact that Nikola Jokic is a monster. He is a 6'11 or 7 foot, depending on how you want to measure him, center who can handle the ball like a point guard, who can run the point, diagnose plays like a point guard, see plays like a point guard, and is an amazing passer, as well as a great rebounder. Oh, but he don't jump, yet he's getting double-digit rebounds every game. Rebounding ain't about out-jumping the other person. It's about positioning and effort. Jokic gives you both. Dennis Rodman, all those years he was leading the league in rebounding, he wasn't out-jumping people half the time. He was out-positioning them. Ben Wallace wasn't out-jumping people, out-positioning them. Rebounding is not about your athleticism. It's about your brain and your heart and how much effort you want to give. So, Listen, I'm giving I'm giving the Nuggets all their flowers because they deserve all their flowers. So now let's get to the Lakers and the fact that Anthony Davis is still Anthony Davis, which means that sometimes he's going to give you, you know, superstar effort, and sometimes he's going to give you bench player effort. The guy shouldn't be on the court. That's been his entire career, along with the fact that anytime he just walks on the court, he starts wincing. Just watch him play. On each and every play, anytime there's any sort of physicality, you see him coming, oh, he's grabbing something, he's winching. Oh, Davis looks hurt. Dude, you seven foot one, about 280 pounds. How the hell are you so fragile? Every time somebody blow on you, you're like, oh, my God, it hurt me. Oh, it hurts, it hurts, oh, it hurts. And miss, <coughs> excuse me, miss me with the nonsense. Miss me with all the nonsense. If you hear any click clacking in the background, that's my dog. We uh, I just bought a new house, recently moved in, so she's still getting used to the place, and you know she likes just walking around and basically annoying me in a in a in a place. But this is why I got it, so she can have her space to annoy me. Um, now let's talk Celtics Sixers, shall we? Co-host is here. Let's bring him in. Mike, that you? Yeah, what's going on, sir? Not much, man. So just is, uh, trying to get through this day, man. Still sick, but still trying to get through this. A lot of fun to chop it up with you. We're getting ready for the last day of school festivities tomorrow. Kid going on to middle school, so uh, got all kinds of like little dinners and everything getting on. But I wanted to make sure to uh, come in and chop it up with you. We, you said we haven't had a chance to do this in a few weeks. 
So I wanted to make sure to get in and do that. You were about to go talk about Sixers, so let me let you do that and I'll come in after. But go ahead and share your thoughts. All right. Well, excuse me. I said Sixers and Celtics. I should say Heat and Celtics. But Sixers, I'll, I'll jump on the Sixers right quick. I think Doc had to be fired. It's not his fault. But I think it was time for Doc to go because at this point, people say, oh, well, he's lost uh, double d- 10 game sevens. That means he's gotten the 10 game sevens, people. That means he's gotten the 10 game sevens. But I don't think it was a fit for him in Philadelphia ever, especially when they brought in James Harden, because James Harden only wants to play for one coach. It's Mike D'Antoni, because Mike D'Antoni lets him dribble the ball for 23 and a half seconds and then either shoot it or pass it to somebody so they throw up a bad shot. And the Celtics, listen, stop telling me Joe Mazzulla is the problem when, when they win, he ain't the problem. But when they lose, oh, he don't know what he's doing as a coach. Is he a young coach? Yes. Is he over his skis? A little bit. Was he ready for this job right now? Not really. Has he done an amazing job? Yeah. Because, by the way, this is the same Boston team that lost games at home in the playoffs with the great Ime Udoka, you know, Mr. Mr. Grabby Hands. We all remember him. But they had a defensive identity. They were always reaching. Yeah, so was he, So was Udoka. He was always reaching for something he had no business reaching for. So, Miss me with this whole Celtics thing, and it's all about Joe Mazzula. But go ahead, Mike. You got to jump in. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think Doc had to go. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. Um, I will say that, you know, Doc has one championship, and he's been able to live of that championship for a long time. Uh, you know, different voice in Philly, but please don't let – if you guys want to win, you can't let it be my story, right? Like – uh, if you do, go ahead, because I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna laugh at you. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. The the one thing that I will say is, I don't remember a year where so many head coaching jobs came open for teams that were expecting to contend. Like that actually could be very, very good coaching jobs. Could you try again? Uh, sorry about that. Huh? I wasn't talking to this. I don't know, uh, very many years where teams that were expected to possibly be conference finalists or championship continuing teams all let go of coaches in one season. That could be some really – that makes this uh, upcoming coaching carousel uh, more interesting to me. But, yeah, to me, is, you mentioned the Celtics coach. He might be over his skis a little bit, but I think he's doing a good job. I think he's done as well as you could expect. Uh, given the situation, and is it something that he could grow into? Sure. That seems to continue to progress, but Eric Spolster is a good coach in Miami. Um, the Celtics got back to what they were doing last night, which was getting out in transition, knocking down three balls. And they get to come home and try to pull one tomorrow. And see if you can go back to Miami. But uh, the Celtics did what they needed to do to, to at least uh, salvage, to not get swept. So we'll see what uh, adjustments the Heat make going into game five. You know, it would it would be it would be perfectly ironic if it was another Boston team that broke a, a string of of no team ever coming back from 03, um, and Jeter and A Rod were the ones there that started it again. Again, they just had to go to that damn game. 
Unbelievable. Uh, because I honestly think the Celtics are going to do it. And then I'm going to have to live with that from Boston fans, that they're Red Sox and they're Celtics. Just something new with the team we've never done. It's wicked, wicked hard. But, yeah, I actually think if Miami lets the Celtics win the next game, the series is over, Boston's going to win. And then they're going to get dog-walked by Denver. But, um, uh, Mike, I didn't get to hear what you thought about the Lakers and the Nuggets. No, I disagree with you on game five. I think if – I think Boston could win game five at home and still go back to South Beach and get ready to I I think they can't let it get back to a game seven in Boston. But I think I think Boston could win game five and Miami might still be okay. Uh, just because it's never happened before. Please don't let it happen, man. Because, you know, a lot of people are talking about the race to 18 uh, when the Lakers and Celtics both have a chance to get that 18th title. Obviously, the Lakers just told me she wanted to talk about that in a second. But I hope the Celtics aren't down either. I ain't going to If I can't go, I don't want you to go. So I hope the Celtics don't get a chance for 18. Either go Heat, go Jimmy Bucket, go Eric Spolstra, bam, all of them. Go Heat. Let's keep the party going on South Beach. Listen, for the first time in many, many years, I'm actually rooting for the Miami Heat. In a playoff series, uh, please knock out these uh, lecherous leprechauns and get them out of the playoffs. Uh, as far as Lakers Nuggets, you asked me about. Listen, I felt like I said this before. Lakers were kind of playing the house money. Make finals. A lot of people kind of writing off Denver, saying they haven't shown me what they did now. They might as well be in. They showed me. They they played well. Murray shot the ball well. The complimentary pieces were good. The Lakers had a legit shot to win game two in Denver. Right? They, they, the first quarter of game one looked awful. Uh, Austin Reeves shot him back in the game, and they actually had a chance late in game one to try to steal one. Uh, but in game two, they came out and did everything they needed to do. They made the right adjustments. They played good basketball. They led most of the game. The only thing they did not do was close it out, right? Uh, you had too many empty possessions with LeBron James throwing up threes and, build, and, and laying enough bricks to build a new fleet at the top of the Pepsi Center. And then Jamal Murray on the other end of the court knocking down shots, making it look like he was up. You know, Pat Man Jones and get in trouble with the clubs and benefit. So, uh, listen, um, when they didn't steal game two, it was, it felt momentous. And then, of course, they come home and get beat twice. I was impressed that the Lakers didn't just fold in game four. They played hard, uh, they, comp- they competed. Denver is just a better squad. I I think the Lakers have more to build on going into the offseason than they had the last couple of years. That roster looks a little less discombobulated uh, than it did in previous seasons. So you got something to build on, so we'll see. And in all fairness, I'm, I think Darvin Ham did a nice job in his first year as coach with his staff. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I, I – People say championship or bust, but consider what they walked in the season with and consider what they're like most of the season. 
I think as Lakers, you got to be happy with him. You got to be happy with some of the pieces you have. You make some decisions and figure out what's going to happen this summer. But I think you have to consider this a pretty good season. That, that's my thoughts on that. What are your thoughts? You watch Lakers, Vegas a little bit. What are your thoughts? Yeah, sorry, I was talking on mute. Um, I think Darvin Ham did an amazing job, um, especially given what he worked with, what he was working with <clears throat> at the beginning. Um, and again, I'm not going to say that Russell Westbrook was is all Russell's fault. Listen, Russell was a bad fit. Everybody knew that except LeBron James. So. I'm not going to pile on Russell Westbrook. When they finally got some players that actually fit, the team took off. Okay, great. Um, I'm tired of the whole if, if, if. Listen, if ifs and buts was candy and nuts, we'd all be fat and toothless. I don't want to hear about the coulda, woulda, shouldas, and what should have happened and what could have happened. And if, listen, they didn't get it done, that is the bottom line. They didn't get it done. They could have done a lot of things. They didn't. So, at the end of the day, the best team won, and that's where I kind of where I'm at with the Lakers. Um, I think, excuse me, I don't think LeBron James is going to retire. I think he's trying to find a way to not play next season. Because honestly, I think he wants a year off. You know, because I think that whole thing of him playing with his son is still his goal, even though it might not be his son's goal. As he finally acknowledged, I forget who he did the interview with. But they, they were asked, talking to him about that, and he said, well, that's what I want. He said, but it might not be what he wants. So he's finally acknowledging, and you, I, and Sirius, I think, had this conversation a while ago where I said I didn't like the fact that he kept talking about it, but his son never said a word. Of course that's a goal for him, but you're putting a lot of pressure on this young man, and maybe that's not what he wants. Maybe he don't want to play with you. Maybe he want to play against you. Maybe he want to play without you. You know, so I think if, and I don't know how the contracts work in the NBA, but I think if LeBron James could find a way to buy out his option year or keep the option year maybe, but um, have the surgery, get put on long-term, was it, injury reserve or whatever it is so the, so the Lakers get a medical exemption, I honestly think he would do that. What do you think? And one second, Well, while we're doing that, let me throw in this quick commercial for our sponsor. Uh, oh, my God. Philly Apparel? Thanks, Philly Apparel. PHI. Wow, that's terrible. PHI Apparel. PHI Apparel. Thank you. For all Philly sportswear, wow, that is a terrible job. I apologize to the sponsor. That is an awful, awful job right there. So let's start this. <laughs> let's try this again. PHI Apparel for all of the hot, all your hot Philly sportswear needs for sports fans. Whether you're from Philly, whether you just like Philly, whether you hate Philly and just want to buy it and burn it, go to phiapparel.com. Put in put in the code uh, chefs for ten percent discount. And man, listen, you know Philly. The, Philly, the some of the Philly teams do have some fire. Jerseys. I like some of the Black Flyers jerseys. I like the old school Phillies jerseys. I don't like none of the Sixers jerseys. Let me be very clear because Charles Barkley wore them, and I can't stand Charles Barkley. Um, some of the Flyers jerseys are cool. 
So, you know, PHIapparel.com, put in in the um, put in code CHEFS and get a 10% discount. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's even 15. Uh, but I agree with you. It, it's interesting that Brian is never studying him. And maybe his idea of taking a year off is that if he's not under contract, then he could cherry pick and maybe try to sign with whoever signs uh, Bronny. So I don't, I don't know if that's uh, if that's part of it um, at all. But you know, I, I think it's interesting because. So what do you do? You just signed an extension with this team for another season in the off season. You didn't have to. <clears throat> you signed an extra year covering through next season. Um, I think that he needs to do what what he needs to do for him, and let Bronny figure out his track and what that looks like. Right? Like you came to LA for money and whatever else. Now your kid's gonna be at USC playing ball. Maybe you want to be able to watch him. I don't know. Um, but if you're not if you're not gonna play, then it needs to be decided and figured out soon. And they need to somehow figure out a way to get that place so the Lakers can figure out how to put together the best roster that they can. Uh, we have seen, with the exception of Miami, we've seen a lot of franchises and organizations kind of left in ruins when he leaves. Cleveland had to completely rebuild twice. Uh, Miami did not. So um, I think it's important that it be handled the right way so it doesn't just uh, so it doesn't just kill a franchise. But yeah, I I think that also before he goes to do this, he needs to make sure that that's what. That's what Bronny wants to do. I understand that we've never seen this in basketball, so it would be historic. I, I get that. I mean, we still talk about Griffey playing with his son, playing left field with his son and center with uh, Seattle back in the mid to late 80s a couple of times. And so it was a momentous occasion, but it felt like a sort of swan song on his way out. Griffey wasn't productive. Griffey Sr. wasn't really productive at that time. It wasn't the same player right. Right, so um, this guy's still got a lot of basketball left in him if he wants to play. But I will say, like, injuries broken down a little bit more. To fight and, uh, you know, father time's undefeated, and it's starting to to grab him a little bit as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and where LeBron is right now <clears throat> is where Dr. J was when the Sixers won their one title. Julius Irving wasn't the second fiddle on that team. He was third. Bobby Jones had more of an impact on them winning that title than Dr. J did. Dr. J was at the point where he could give you a quarter, maybe a half, because at that point he wasn't Dr. J. He was he was just Julius Irving, okay? He wasn't a doctor. He wasn't Dr. J. He was Julius Irving. When he, he could give you life. a quarter or a half, you know, where he suddenly became the doctor again, and then that was it. But that was, you know, and then for three games, you wouldn't know he was there. I understand the numbers LeBron is putting up, but if you look at the impact of those numbers, they need somebody besides Anthony Davis who can actually score to allow LeBron to conserve his energy to the point where he can give you that quarter or half where you're like, oh, there he is, you know, and you don't notice the fact that he's basically coasting through the game. And that's okay. He's 38 years old. He shouldn't have to carry the Lakers anymore. He shouldn't have to be 
their primary guy. He shouldn't have to be their secondary guy. The problem with this roster. And no, I don't want Kyrie Irving's bum ass anywhere near the Lakers. No, please don't. So he can please don't. He can be out there going on damn retreats and him and him and Aaron Rodgers can go drink ayahuasca up in the up in the hills and go in darkness retreats up in the cars bad caverns or whatever the hell they do. No. If you're going to go after a guy, you know, and I don't want Jordan Poole near that team. We see what Jordan Poole is doing in damn Golden State now that he got his money. I think Mm -hmm. the guy, and I know he's had some issues in Atlanta, I think Trey Young is the best fit. Think about it. Because everybody keeps talking about the Lakers had someone who could hit a shot. In those games, the Lakers could have won and they lost because guys couldn't make one shot. You think Trey Young wouldn't hit that shot? Yeah. The problem is LeBron's throwing up too many of them lately. And people say, well, he's the king do everything. But, you know, you had Austin Reeves hitting shots. You had Rudy Achimura hitting shots. LeBron threw up too many of them late in that game in, in, in Denver. Once again, I'm not questioning or whatever, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, you're right. There, there's at least more pieces than they've had before. Uh, th- there's no uh, – Accident that the Lakers have, when they played their best in the second half of the season and in the playoffs, it's when Anthony Davis was the lead dog in those games. When Anthony Davis had good games, LeBron could get hit as well. Uh, but that's when the Lakers were best. Uh, and so we don't know if he can be held together. I don't know if you got enough silly putty, bubble gum, uh, mask and tape, duct tape, all that kind of stuff to hold him together for a season. So I'm not sure that he's the answer. You know, to give him the keys to the franchise, we've had that conversation um, a couple of different times. Now the question becomes, what does it cost you to keep Austin Reeves? Uh, do you let D'Angelo Russell go, or does he come back? Um, but you at least got some youth in, like, Ochimur, Vanderbilt, some of those type of guys that at least look better. I agree with you on Westbrook. I'm not putting a problem in his feet. It was just a bad fit, and unfortunately – uh, the easiest way to try to fix that fit was to move him and and work around that. So um, I never wanted to put, you know, everything at, at Westbrook's feet at all. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, listen, mm-hmm. once again, they're, they're at least a little better shape. Let's go to uh, – let's go to the – what do you got next? Where do you want to go next? We can go W, or we can go Jim Brown, icon or abuser. Dealer's choice. <laughs> icon or abuser. Abuser. Uh, yep. Yeah. Know how I, mean, I get down, and, man. And, and maybe something about I do know how you get down. Um uh, does one exclude the other necessarily? I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, we, yeah, we can go to Jim Brown first. Go ahead. Okay, well, you asked the question. I'm going to say yes, it does. I'm going to say yes, it does. Because as a black man, I don't want to hear you. T- I don't want to hear you held up as some paragon of virtue when you spent your entire life beating the hell out of women. People say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's Let's start in 1968 where his then-girlfriend, he threw her off a balcony. She eventually said, no, she slipped. She didn't slip. She was beat to hell. There was a, the, 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 the injuries that she had weren't 
consistent with falling off a balcony. It was consistent with being beat up and then thrown off a balcony. 1965, assault and battery, 18-year-old woman. 1969, assault, okay, assault. 1971, battering two women. 1978, they in jail beating a golfing partner. 1985, rape, sexual battery, and assault. 86, went to jail, 21-year-old fiancé. 86, his 21-year-old fiancé beat her up. After a few days, because you know the money ran out, she said, oh, I don't want to press charges. 1999. 1999. Convicted after working on his 25-year-old wife's car. She had previously said he was violent and abusive, but later said, oh, that's not true, because we all know that victims of domestic violence will usually recant, unfortunately. Okay? So I just gave you three decades. I gave you three decades. Four, four, four. Wait a minute, 60, 70, 80, 90. You're right. I'm sorry, four. And and don't tell me, but he got acquitted or he got off. If every time you come to my house, you leave, and something's missing, you're a thief. I don't care if I can't prove it. I don't care if I didn't see you. If every time you come to my damn house and you leave, you're a thief. If every time I turn around, Jim Brown being arrested for beating a woman, you're an abuser. Period. End of story. So now we get to his whole American, oh, he's teaching young black men how to be men. How the hell you teach somebody to be a man and you not one? Because you're not a man if you're beating up women. I don't care what you did. Oh, civil rights. I don't give a damn about that. Stop putting your hands on women. Period. End of story. You cannot, I'm not holding you up some paragon of virtue when you're abusing women over four, four decades. Not one, not two, not three, not, okay? Four decades. And nobody wants to talk about it. Well, we don't want to sell his image. What image? What image? Is this what you, is this what you want young black men to do? Well, as long as you do something good for civil rights, you can beat the hell out of whoever you want? You, no, that's not how this works. That's not how it works. You are either going to do the right thing all the time, or you ain't doing it none of this. This half, this halfway. Well, you know, but I'm doing something good over here. That doesn't that doesn't counteract the evil that you are inflicting upon people. Let me be clear. I have always had no respect for Jim Brown. I'm old enough to remember we had Jet Magazine and Ebony, and they were detailing the things he was doing. Okay, and the community knew other things he was doing that that weren't even publicized. So I have never had any respect for him. Great football player. Don't tell me he's an icon. Don't don't hold him up to me and say, we want young black men to be like him. Because I'm not having it. Go ahead, Mike. Shannon, you know, one of the things I love about my co-host, Mr. Shannon, is he is going to he is going to give it to you as he sees it. Uh, purely unfiltered, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, I never know quite what I'm going to get, though. Uh, once I've done a little bit of digging, I'm not surprised. But it, it's it's fun to hear him talk. I respect uh, your words and the things that you have to say, and so thank you for not putting punches and doing that. Um, 
You know, it's, it's funny that uh, between the lines, even Barry Sanders, told, Barry Sanders' father told him that Jim Brown was the best running back he ever seen. Uh, between the lines, great football player. People say he did a lot of great things for civil rights. Uh, did he do some things that maybe impacted some people? Sure he did. Um, there's always another side to it, though. And Mr. Knight just uh, said that on you as well. But um, So, uh, do your research. Draw your own conclusions and uh, take what you want. Uh, but, hey, listen. Uh, R.I.P. Jim Brown. And, uh, you know, Chandler, we lost another uh, icon. I didn't realize this lady was as old as uh, my father, older than my father. But now, fortunately, you saw we lost Tina Turner this week as well. Yeah, Tina Turner. I, I was never a huge fan of her music, but she was a really great artist. Um, I just, he, I honestly... I don't get emotional about people dying that I've never met. I don't. I never met them. You know, um, I've never understood right. the concept of you've never met this person. Right? you never met them. Oh, I can't believe such and such actress or athlete or whatever guy. If you're a child, if you're, say, from 18 on down, I can understand you crying about a stranger you never met dying because you probably – admired whatever it was they were doing, you were trying to do that in that particular field. I'm sorry, once you get over 20 and you crying over an adult dying that you have never met in your damn life, I think something's wrong with you, personally. That's just me. Um, maybe I have no empathy. I don't know. But I don't understand the concept of boo-hooing about some stranger dying, and in the meantime, I got family members dying, and I ain't shedding a tear for them. But that's just me. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I remember even being in high school. Listen, I I used to listen to, you know, as a kid, and I had the uh, the CDs taken from me at school because I didn't see the principal around the corner. You know, I used to listen to I used to listen to Tupac in high school, right? Growing up, I was fan, a fan of his music. Stood in line at the record store when All Eyes on Me came out. The double CD in '95. Uh, stood in line in the record store to buy to buy that to be one of the first to pick it up uh, and, and bumped it. Listen to a lot of this stuff. And but when Pop died and, and a couple people called me crying, I just didn't get it. Like I understand impact or whatever else means, but like I, I'm, I'm with you on that. If I haven't met you and or don't have that type of relationship with you. There's there are too many people close to me that I have met and know that I've broken bread with shared like a serious bond with like uh, you know, that that's where I shed so many tears. But if it's somebody I don't know like, listen I hate it, feel the loss, but Yeah, well now that I've pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, where you want to go. You want to talk W you want to talk baseball? Uh, let, let's go W first. Hear your thoughts on the beginning of the season. Um, let's see. Um, 
I loved with the, the new season. You know, I I, have, I don't have a problem with the super teams. I know the Liberty lost their first game, and I thought that was great, honestly, because they're finding out that, yes, you have great players, but just because you have great players don't make you a great team. Great players a great team does not make. Great teamwork makes a great team. So I think the best thing that could have happened to Liberty, and obviously I'm a Liberty fan, um, I think the best thing that could have <laughs> excuse me, happened to them was them getting, I mean, and they got, they got slapped. Okay, that wasn't just no 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 loss, dude. They got they got blown out. Um, so I like that. I like the fact that Elena Deladon is healthy and playing. Um, I'm you know I like the fact that she got that that fine the other day. She's like, listen, I ain't no rookie. Y'all better stop calling these fouls on me. Listen, this season is going to be amazing. Um, um, what's her name from University of South Carolina? Her name just left me. Aaliyah Boston. Aaliyah Boston is Aaliyah Boston, yeah. She's the truth. Now, the Fever aren't winning, but she is the truth. Okay? She's already had a double-double, and she was double-double queen. All right? And she is the truth. And for me, I'm so glad to see Brittany Griner back. If you don't like Brittany Griner, you know what? You're allowed to not like Brittany Griner. You're allowed to feel however you want to feel about any subject in the world. Um, I spent multiple close to two decades of my life, defending every single person's right. Everyone's the ones I agreed with, the ones I didn't agree with, the ones I liked, the ones I hated. Defending their right to feel how they feel, say what they want to say. I don't have to agree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. But just don't say it around me, because then I also get to slap you in the face. So... Um, I'm glad to see Brittany Griner back, man. I'm glad to see her smiling. I'm glad. It, it, now, she is rusty as all get out. You watch her game, and her game is, honestly, her game is trash right now, and it's supposed to be. She hadn't played in close to three years. Her game's supposed to be trash right now. I don't like how they're using her, but I understand why they're not, because I would just pin her in the postman, put her right on that block, throw it in, and say, stop me if you can. But... We also know she's literally got to work herself back into not just the physical part of basketball, but the mindset of what it takes to be a professional basketball player. So it's going to take some time. But I think after the All-Star break with some of these teams that were put together, they're getting used to playing with each other. Dude, the, 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 the rush to the playoffs and the playoffs are going to be crazy. I, I'm so happy to see Brittany Griner back. Double-double on her home debut. She even hit a three-ball. Made some baskets. Made some baskets inside. Um, You know, just to be back and to be – and to be here and to, you know, thank God she's home. People can think what they want, have whatever thoughts they want. Uh, I guarantee you that regardless of what people may want to say or not say or say about her, I guarantee you that that nobody that wished that upon her, nobody that had anything, anybody that had things to say about her not coming home or maybe she should still be there and blah, 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 those people would have given up every bit of their worldly possessions and came back here with nothing on their back if they had to just to be able to not have to suffer that same fate. I'm so happy Brittany's home. I'm so happy she's even on the court and, and seems excited to be 
um, it's sad that she had to go through the time that she did, but I'm glad that she's back. Um, interested to see. There's a good product in this league. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned Leah Boston, and I think one of the reasons why she went to the WNBA is because she knew the skill set that she had and what she could do. Uh, her coach knew what kind of skill set she had and what she could do. And I believe that, you know, in college when everybody's gearing up and focusing to try to stop you, uh, and being able to send doubles and whatever, you can make life not as easy for you. And so being able to go to a league, even though some of the players are better, you can really play a more open brand of basketball. And so good for Leah Boston. Like you said, uh, Fever are winning right now, but you can see the talent is there. And you can rebuild in basketball, right? So if they don't win this year, what happens? Maybe next year they mess around and get a number one draft pick again? Mm-hmm. Or number two. Three. Yeah, so then mess around. Go ahead and mess around and get somebody in there. Like, uh, that's a real true perimeter threat or whatever and build that kind of roster. Uh, listen, it's interesting to see. Uh, I have one for you on the WNBA before we go too much further. Lexus Morris, uh, point guard for uh, point guard for LSU, big game in the mm-hmm. national championship game. Tried out her and uh, one of her teammates too. Tried out, got cut, and uh, so she's going to end up taking her talents overseas. Uh, made the comment that maybe some people that are uh, knocking on the door thirty five should hang up and make room for the rookies. That's the other side of it. I was impressed to see. I mean, obviously it ruffled some serious feathers, but to see some of the older players actually take the time to craft, like, thoughtful responses to help uh, a young girl instead of just piling on, I thought was really helpful. The girl, Cindy, I can't call her last name, though. She's 33, plays in the league now. Um, You know, she said, or continue to work on your craft. Like, yeah. Use it as a stepping stone, or, or you know, she's like, I got cut multiple times, tried to play overseas and play other places, and continued to work on my game. And after being cut several times, I was finally able to land on a roster and stick. So, you know, basically, um, you know, have your thoughts or whatever, but don't let it break you. Continue to work on your craft and get better, and then you'll uh, eventually learn how to get in where you fit in and basically stick. So, it's it in today's society, Chandler. I, I want to hear your thoughts on Alexis Morris and the response, whatever, but I just want to get this piece out first. In today's society, I think we're very quick, if we disagree with somebody, to just cancel them, right? To wipe them off or get mad because they said something we didn't disagree with. You know, if we get our feelings hurt, then F you, basically. You know what I'm saying? So to see yeah. a, a veteran player who's been in the league for a while and coming up on that 35 range, instead of her just kind of flipping the middle finger, to see her, like, in a in a carefully crafted response, actually give advice to the young girl instead of just you know, ostracizing her for saying something she didn't agree with. I was impressed with that. I think that uh, we as a society can definitely learn from some of that as well. But uh, did you see that back and forth, and or do you have any thoughts on it? Well, the statement by itself is stupid. Who are you to tell somebody to stop trying to feed their family? Because if they're 35, they probably got a family. So they should stop trying to feed their family and keep living a lifestyle they become accustomed to so you can have a spot. So on his face, it's, it's a ridiculous statement. Spoken by somebody who 
hasn't had to work hard for a lot, apparently. Okay? The things have kind of come easy for now. Now that it's getting a little hard, now you're saying, but, but you are supposed to give me this. Don't you know who I am? The fact that people were willing to acknowledge it was stupid but still try to educate her, I think, is admirable. Because, see, I can tell you what you said is stupid and then talk to you and say, this is why what you said is ridiculous. This is why maybe did you ever think about this? Did you think about that? I mean, does she, does she think she's the only person who ever got cut and didn't get to make, make a lead? The, the problem is society. The problem is the fact that there's not enough teams. It's not about somebody 35 holding on to a spot. It's about the fact there's not enough teams. Why aren't there enough teams? Because we've spent 20 years trying to minimize women's basketball. We've spent 20 years trying to act like nobody watches women's basketball when obviously people do. What I hope is what she gets from the responses is the fact that she needs to maybe that she needs to grow up, but she also needs to open her eyes and, and take a look at the entire macro view of something before she makes a statement. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not saying she she shouldn't. Have. I understand why she said what she said, but does she understand why there's no spot? Well, and, That's and from question. what I heard, from what I heard, two things. A, a she realized she was uh, responding out of emotion because even though there's some other responses to it, it didn't take her long to take everything down. There's also some other conversations and interviews and aftermath that just said, you know, um, I get it. I wish there were more spots. And so I am going to continue to work on my talents. And I'm going to take this as – because the girl has had some adversity. She's got a bounce-off team. She got kicked off Kim Monkey's team at Baylor a few years ago. Um, And she has really, like, grown up and been more of a leader over the last couple years and shown some maturity. You know, she was on both of these teams in LSU and was able to really kind of settle in and do a really good job uh, for this team. Um, And so that being said, I think, you know, maybe her maturity wasn't what some other people's was at 18, 19 years old, and that's why she had some trouble at first and got in some different situations. Um, And so I do think that she will learn and grow from this, um, and I do think that, I think that she gets it, especially after reading some of those feedbacks from comments that uh, that I've seen from people. Uh, I, I think that she does. And once again, like, if there's any – uh, listen, for any of our listeners, or, uh, you know, including present company Chandler and I, uh, if any of us thought we had everything figured out in life by, 20, by 22, 23 years old, and we're at a point where we never said anything stupid at 22, 23, 24 years old. Uh, if anybody really believes that, listen, I got a bridge, a bridge in Brooklyn to tell you. Uh, the difference today is in this social media time, everything is so much more uh, blasted. You know what I'm saying? Everything is so much more uh, – everybody hears it. It's not like you say the – the dumb things in the room with like your group of friends or teammates or whatever, and people say, you know, stop talking or don't say that out loud. Or, you know, don't say that outside of this room. Nowadays, people sit in their own place without anybody to kind of filter for them sometimes, and they didn't put that out on Twitter. 
or Instagrams or whatever. And so everybody, your thousands and millions of followers or whatever you got is regular. And, and listen, if it's something dumb or if it's something that's going to be sensationalized, then their followers and their followers, followers and followers and followers get it too. Right. So it gets blown up to, in today's day. And time. I thank God that when I was in high school and college and whatever, the social media was not uh, at a level that it is now. And for, and, and, and for that, like, in some ways, like, kids today have it as tougher, tougher than, than we ever did in some ways. Uh, because yeah, I'm a disability. I'm a disability. Everything's under a microscope. I said in some ways, not in, not in, the, not in the whole scheme of things. In some ways. But, but, but see, uh, everything isn't ways, under a microscope. Everything isn't under a microscope. It's a microscope if you allow it to be. If you well, are so invested in other people, if you jump into that fab, yes, that's a fact. Well, yeah, if if, you, if you're so invested in what other people think of what you're doing and saying, that's on you. That is literally on you. You don't know these people; they are strangers. Why does their opinion matter? Why does their opinion my matter child, to you? My my child's twelve years old. No Facebook, no Instagram. I think what are doing right now? And even at a point in time when he does some of those things, um, you can put posts from time to time, but, you know, the message that I'm always going to give to him is be too busy living your life to have to post about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you put something out there that's harmful and, and hurtful and stuff like that, I get it. But other than that, if you were just talking about your life and how you feel about things, right, wrong, or indifferent, you could be totally off base. Oh, man, everybody came at me. So what? See, you can't cancel anybody unless they allow you to do it. You can't, See, you can't cancel me because I, can't, I won't allow you to. Because I have a Twitter account. I say what the hell I want. When people don't like it, they come for me, and I, and I tell them, don't come for me unless I send for you. I tell them what I think. I call them, I call them a clown, and I block them. So they can't even respond. I'm petty like that. I'm petty like that. I'm going to get the last word. And now you're mad because you, you can't say nothing to me. That's how I get down. I don't care what strangers think of me. I really don't. I care what the people that matter to me think of me. I care what I think of me. But that person going by, you know, I just bought a house. I don't give a damn what my neighbors think of me. Yes, I see them every day, and I speak, and they seem to be really nice people. I don't give a damn about them because they're not paying my bills. They're not putting food on my table. They're not putting clothes on my back. When you start doing that, your opinion will matter to me. Until then, I don't care. But I think I'm kind of a dinosaur in that because people are so invested in everything outside of themselves, you know, and not what's going on in their own home, in their own body, in their own mind. And I've said this many times. You got people who know more about what's going on in damn Kim Kardashian's home than they do what's going on in their own home. Your child is struggling. Your spouse is, is, is going through a massive depression cycle. You know, your mother or father is having all kinds of issues and you know nothing about it but you could tell me every damn thing Kim Kardashian did for the past 36 hours. That's a you problem. 
not a me problem. That's not a society problem. That's a you problem because you choose to be dumb. You choose to invest in strangers. You choose to not care about what's really going on in your home and in your life because you want to be something else. Why? What's so wrong with you? What is so wrong with you that you have to live vicariously through someone else? That's the question I have. I think Mike is muted. You know, <laughs> no, I'm good here. Uh, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I, I think it comes down to it can, it can be a very powerful tool if it's used right. Um, it can also be something that can tear people down if it's not used properly or whatever. So it's, it's just, social media in a lot of ways, and this whole social media age is just like any other thing. There are pluses and minuses. There are strengths and weaknesses, and it's all about how you use it and the way you utilize the tool, right? That's the one thing that I'll go with there. Go yeah. ahead. Oh, do do we want to talk about stupid job? Man, I, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, the the news came out in China Snow on Sunday morning. He got mentioned a couple times for me and Sirius last week and then on our Wednesday show. But this is your time. I mean, this is your moment. If you want to make a couple comments or, or say anything related to this uh, foolishness, then please go ahead. I will say that if, do you remember the first time we talked about this? And I talked about the fact that him going that camp, that wasn't enough time, that they didn't give him enough time away. And then I sure. said what I was afraid of was we were asking a 23-year-old to change everything in public and expect him not to make mistakes. Now, I'll just speak from my own life experience. There's people that listen to the show. They know my story. They know that I spent a lot of time out there drinking and drugging and messing up my life. When I finally decided to try to get my life together, it was not instantaneous. I failed many, many, many times. It was because I didn't. It wasn't. It was because I didn't want it. it was because I didn't care. I literally was being. I literally was trying to change everything about me, everything, from how I thought about myself to how I thought about other people to how I thought about life to whether I cared about me, to, to, to understanding that I can't care about anybody until I care about myself, to trying to figure out who the hell I was. And I started, I started that journey at, I'm sorry, 48. I started it at 48. And trust me, I'm not remotely close to being good. I just have more tools now. And I, and I use my tools now. So if I'm, if I'm about to step to the side and screw up, now I call somebody I can put, hey, man, listen, I'm struggling. We're asking a 23-year-old who has no tools, who has no tools, who has no clue. He doesn't know who the hell he is. 
He's never had to really sit down at 3 o'clock in the morning, that time when some of us, we wake up, and you, you laying there, or you sitting there, or you going to get some water, and all of that stuff that you never want to deal with is there now. It's just you. And those thoughts or those fears or whatever it is that you avoid consistently, and now you can't avoid it. Those conversations you have with yourself that you're scared to tell anybody about. We're asking this young man to do all of that. Excuse me. In the public eye and not make a mistake. And I told you then, he was going to make a mistake. It was inevitable. Because that's part of the process. Change is not linear. Change is not linear. Think of who because you human are today. Exactly. Think of who you are today, and think of the things, the the failures, the missteps, right? And think about how if those things hadn't happened, you wouldn't be who you are today. They had to happen. So I expected him to screw up. I wasn't surprised. But this rush to lynch him, this social lynch mob. Shame on all of them. Shame on them. Because, oh, we care about him, but he needs to be suspended. Where was that when the NBA, don't tell me about David Stern and, oh, he lied to David Stern. David Stern, uh, not David Stern, Mike Mike Silver, David Silver, whatever the hell his name, Silver, Adam Silver. Adam Silver. Is it Adam Silver? Adam Silver. Thank you. He knew damn well. And, and I think he's, uh, he's uh, Long, John, Long John's grandson. Yeah, he knew John was not ready to be back. He knew eight games wasn't enough, but he wasn't about to let that prize winning, money bringing in, fatted calf sit out. Nike knew, but they wanted to sell those damn shoes. Power Aid knew, but we got to sell our product. And now that you made some more money off them, now you can sit them on the side. Well, we gonna pull your shoe off the uh, off the uh, page, <laughs> but they still selling it though. You can still buy it. Power Eight ain't running the commercials, but you can still buy Power Eight with this picture on the label because they still making it. The NBA is gonna suspend them, but I guarantee you, when they do those promos NBA on TNT, you gonna see jaw highlights. So don't tell me you care. Shannon Sharp and all of you talking this. Don't tell me you care, Mike Wilborn. When instead of excoriating this young man who's on a journey and who should be making mistakes on this journey, because that's how you learn, you didn't say nothing about damn Adam Silver letting him back in after eight games, but now you want, he ain't going to buy those shoes in my house. Told my son, you better not spend no money on them shoes. Or a bunch of hypocrites and liars. This was necessary for him. This was necessary. It needed to happen. And you say, why? Because how the hell else is he going to get the message? I'm the type of guy, you got to hit me with, God has to hit me with a two by four to get my attention. I don't do subtle. And I don't, I don't respond to taps on the shoulder. 
you got to smack me upside the head with something hard, heavy, and you got to do it a couple of times before I get the point. Who's to say that this won't be the best thing that ever happened to him? Because now maybe he'll take his journey seriously. Now maybe when he looks at his child and, and he sees himself reflected in the eyes, he'll ask himself, who am I really? What type of father do I really want to be? What type of man do I want to be? Who do I want to have around me? You know, all of those questions that he wasn't willing to ask before, he's going to ask them now. So my question is, why was this a bad thing? Why was somebody making a mistake that it was inevitable that they would make a bad thing? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Mistakes happen, and, I mean, unfortunately, because you suspended once and because they didn't get it right the first time, you're going to see a more lengthy suspension this time, probably. Um, but I, I just don't believe we need to be canceling the guy out. No. What they should be doing is trying to help him by, instead of talking about him on the air, you got money, people. All you talking is, y'all got money. Y'all know his agent name. If you really wanted to go sit down with him, <clears throat> you could show up at his door. You, you can find a way he lives, show up at his door. Hey, man, I want to talk. What you doing in my house? I want to talk. I don't want to talk. Okay, I'll be back tomorrow. Why? Because I want to talk. Why do you care? Because I do. That would help him. That would help him. Because it would show him people really mean what they say. But all of this reaching out, because I'm, I'm on a talk show, and, oh, John, man, I really hope, and I really want you here, man, miss me, miss me with all of that. Miss me with that. I sure wish I could talk to him. You could talk to him if you want. You you could get tickets from LeBron James to a damn Laker game, but you can't get it. You can't get a sit down with John Moran. Okay. Yeah. I exactly. No. It, if you want to, you can. Uh, there's there's plenty of mutual connections. There's plenty of ways to make this happen. Uh, if you're not talking to him, it's because you'd rather talk at it behind a lens and make yourself look important. Um, and that's, that's your preference versus actually uh, sitting down and having a conversation yeah. with him. Um, and yeah. so to me, that tells me, that tells me what kind of, uh, what kind of hip, hypocrite you are. Right. So yeah. uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it comes down to for me. Yeah. Because, and I started this by saying stupid job because what he did was stupid. And it's okay to say that. For I, sure. um, I, went, I went back to group for the first time the other day because getting into the house every day, I've been struggling. I've been spiraling. I've been struggling. It's overwhelming when you buy a house and you're trying to move in. It's overwhelming. And I'm in the group, and, and, and one of the guys pointed out to me because I went on this huge rant, and I kind of just vomited all of, all of my stuff, which is what you're supposed to do in group, by the way. Anyone who goes to group should know this. You take all your trash to group and you dump it in the middle of the floor and you leave it there. If somebody else wants to pick it up, you let them pick it up, but don't you damn pick it back up. That's the purpose of it. You don't ever let anybody else tell you different. 
The whole purpose of group therapy is to dump your stuff, vomit it up, whatever term you want to use, right in the middle of the floor and leave it there. Right. To get it, what one of the guys said to me, move on. Exactly. What one of the guys said to me, he said, "You know, Chandler, <laughs> he said, I heard you say a whole lot of I, 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 I." He's like, "Really? So God ain't had nothing to do with what you got. It's all about you, huh? What you got to do and what you got to do." And I said to him, you know, when it was over, I said, "I appreciate you calling me on that because I try not to do that, but I caught myself up in the spiral of I." I didn't get where I am today by myself. I had help. I didn't do this alone. So now suddenly it's all about me. See, it's okay for somebody to call you out on your nonsense. It's okay for somebody to say, you know what, man, you're full of crap right now. All I hear is somebody whining and moaning, and I was. Was it valid? Yes. Doesn't change the fact that I was whining. (laughs) Don't change the fact. And that's all it is, man. If people would just talk to people, these guys, when they had these issues, just be honest with them. Listen, what you did was stupid. Now let's talk about why you did it. Instead of this whole harangue and suspend the babba babada and you better get it right this time because we gave you 10 games and now, you know, it's not how to, that's not how change works. But anywho, let's get into some baseball, man. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox for the night. Yeah, uh, interesting watching uh, things go on in Major League Baseball. So I'll start here. I did this last week in honor of my co-host because he wasn't here, but the guy that filled in for him and the other bum that stopped by uh, as well are both fans of of this same team. So in honor of my co-host one more time, uh, (laughs) and this time he's here to appreciate it because uh, let's be honest with you, the – Appreciate people sitting in. One of us can't be here. Uh, my roundtable gumbo is uh, Chandler and, and my brainchild. So uh, much appreciation to you guys for listening. Anybody want to call in? And Chandler, I'm sad you missed the troll last week. It was bad. Uh, 929-477-2759 oh. is our call number. It was rough, Chandler, last weekend. So uh, <laughs> last Thursday, uh, it, we we had a we had a redneck try to come in and ruin the whole show with a white man's agenda. Wouldn't do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. To say, uh, how about your Yankees, man? They appear to be playing a little bit better. You got Judge back. He's been ranking since he's come back. Harrison Bader's playing a solid center field. Glaber's doing what he's doing. Like, what are your thoughts on um, on your Bronx Bombers and where they where they're at right now? What's going on with them? They're a third-place team playing like a third-place team. This is a damn near $300 million payroll, and you're running Clark Schmidt and Willie Calhoun (laughs) and Jake Bowers. Oh, and tomorrow you're starting Randy Vasquez, who's never started a game in the major leagues in his life, and you just lost again to the Orioles 3-1 to because no one can hit besides Aaron Judge. This is, is, that cousin? is that is that Javier's cousin, Randy Vasquez? Um, he uh, he might be. I gotta check. Um, I know he's from the DR. <laughs> I, I, I'm really just being sarcastic right now, just because Javier Vasquez. Oh, he might, yeah, Expo. I know he might be. Uh, I, I think he was with the Yankees for a minute. I want to say Javier Vasquez even spent a little bit of time in Atlanta. 
uh, in his career. Yeah, so. he did. Yeah, uh, actually, as a pitcher, he was good as a human being. He's a POS, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, the, great, the, the great Javi Vasquez. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a third-place team, man. It's a $300 million payroll, and you'll be lucky to make it as a wild card. And listen, the Rodon thing, that can happen to anybody, okay? But how do you not have any other starters when there were starting pitchers out there that you could have brought in, but you chose not to? It took you two months to DFA Aaron Hicks. You were counting on Franchi Cordero. Franchi Cordero was one of your big moves. Okay. I told you guys, Anthony Volpe is a lot of, is a lot of flash, a lot of flash, but he makes a lot of basic mistakes. He's not a good shortstop. No, I'm sorry. He's not a great shortstop. Stop trying to tell me he is. He is a good shortstop. Oswaldo Peraza is a great shortstop. We have watched Anthony Volpe make mistakes that have cost his team runs because he's making errors behind bargain basement pitchers who can't overcome the errors. Yes, Glaber's hitting. And he's still a basic second baseman. You should have been trading him for pitching. You did not. Why is Josh Donaldson still on this roster, but now you're trying to bury him on the disabled on the on the injured list? That's not fair to him. It's not fair to the team. But you have no spot for him because you got seventy five infielders, but no left fielder. Or no pitching. You're running Oswald you're running Ron Marinaccio out there like he's a second coming to Raleigh Fingers. This team is trash. It's trash. And it's about time people acknowledge the fact Brian Cashman built a three hundred million dollar third place team. You know, it's interesting to hear uh, you say that uh, I, I feel like they've done pretty well matching up against Tampa the last couple of weeks. The Orioles series has been uh, interesting. One moment. Mike, you still there? While well, Mike takes care of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm um, still here. I was, okay. I was, uh, I'm still here. Yeah, so, you know, I, I thought that the other day, um, I saw the youth of Baltimore uh, in that in that extra innings game that the Yankees pulled out, and that uh, they had a guy on second, you know, the extra runner in the tenth inning, and I felt like the Baltimore did a lot of, uh, you know, let's try to hit the ball at the ballpark, even though we got this runner at second base. Instead of trying to get an over and see what damage you can do, like beyond that, right? Like so, that was uh, that was something that really jumped out at me um, in that game the other day. I I thought that uh, 
it would have been nice to have seen them make an attempt to get the runner over or or move him on or whatever. Uh, And that's what the Yankees did to pull that game out. And I think that's just the experience versus not. But, you know, I I kept saying about Baltimore, I think they're going to take a step back uh, before they take a step forward. So go ahead and hit on that other team in that division right now. I think the question, they've been better than I thought. Uh, the question with Baltimore, because they've got some more really good players, like, on the brink, too, on their way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not let's not confuse ourselves. Uh, Baltimore uh, losing, they were able to make some good draft picks and really kind of rebuild that system. And, you know, Abby Rutschman, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson – that's just the tip of the spear. Uh, there's more coming. So the the interesting question for me uh, for Baltimore is, can they trade well? Now we know they can develop. But to me, right. at this point in time, if there's a team that really, like, starts to see themselves out of it come July or needs another uh, bat, can you make a move or two? And bring in a starting pitcher or two to add to that rotation. Uh, you know, everybody's thin in pitching. I don't think it's as easy to acquire starting pitching um, as it used to be. But can you make a move or two and bring in a couple of arms to add to that rotation? Because if you can, uh, the future could be this year uh, for the yes. Baltimore Orioles. Yes. Yes, And then you take and look at the fact that Tampa, who I'm not sure if they can hit over the course of an entire year, but they've also had a couple of major injuries to key cogs from their pitching staff. Uh, now now you got Rasmussen out. Now you got Springs out. Uh, Baltimore, uh, Toronto is still having trouble pitching. They can, they can hit the ball, uh, but they're still having trouble pitching. Uh, Manoa got lit up again today. Uh, he mm. has not been very good this year. Jose Barrios is starting to settle down a little bit. Kikuchi's been up and down. Bassett's been what he is. Uh, They don't have Ryu back. So those are the two teams that everybody projected as the favorites in that Eastern Division, the Blue Jays and the Yanks and the Rays. And people say Baltimore is a fourth-place team. I did come into this year. And they may still be, but the future is now for Baltimore. Like, this is your chance to grab it and seize the moment in the American League East. And I think that, uh, you know, it's there. But you're going to have to show me. I know you can develop, but now can the GM and can this organization trade effectively and and get what they need to be able to get over the top? Because I think it's, listen, um, the opportunity is there. It's hanging there for them uh, in Baltimore. All they got to do is reach out and grab it. Yeah. Um, and the guy right now, see, this is where, again, I hate – the way some of these these GMs they they they're hesitant. The guy to go get right now is Lucas Giolito, and people say, "Oh, but you're gonna have to give up a fortune." When the when the White Sox, who I told you weren't going to be good, start their fire sale, the cost for him is going to be astronomical because he is a really good pitcher. He's still got team control. He is a really good pitcher. He has ace-type stuff. He's not an ace. But if you slot him in your two or three slot, 
it's like you're running ace for the Yankees. Let's say for the Yankees, you're running ace, ace, kind of ace, right? Because now that puts your Severino back to four where he should be because you worry about his health. If you're Baltimore, you put him at the top of your rotation. And you're going to make the playoffs. So for Baltimore, go get Lucas Giolito right now. Go get him right now. Don't wait. Because Tampa's going to come back got, to the pack. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. They've lost pitchers. They're going to come back. And and now with Baltimore, you put Giolito in, it's kind of an anchor guy. You know, another guy to me that would make some sense if I'm Baltimore is Edwin Rodriguez. Uh, from Detroit, uh, because yeah. he's a left-handed guy is not is not flyable. He does have strikeout and inning type stuff. He's probably he's not as great as his numbers were for his last uh, you know for a seven-start yeah. stretch. But he's also not as uh, he's also he's also not a bad pitcher. He's pitched. He's got postseason experience. Um, so that's another good. guy. Yeah, yeah, but that's another guy. You have good young guys and Rodriguez and Wells and Creamer. You have some other guys on this team that you can continue to kind of run out and see how they continue to develop to figure out how you piece this together. But if I'm Baltimore, I go get two arms. And, yeah. I, you know, guys like you mentioned Giolito or maybe Lance, uh, Lance Lynn or Eduardo Rodriguez or maybe – Maybe looking at the Giants like uh, Anthony DiSclefani or Alex Wood or something. Um, you know, the Cubs are in it, so they're not going to be willing to part with uh, – they're not going to part with Stroman. That's not going to happen. Not um, not. No. And so, you know, that's that's not a team. You know, if, if, if Pittsburgh continues to fall, do you see if you could take a gamble on a Rich Hill or something? Maybe, but Baltimore needs veteran starting pitching, uh, a to to help them and b to also help teach them, to help mentor some of these kids. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, because they 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 got some more people on the way. They got a lot of young bats in the pipeline. Listen, Thunder Lightning's coming in Baltimore, and so yes, just continue to um, just continue to piece it all together. Uh nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine ten and I are with you for the next oh ten minutes. Nine so. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, nine minutes on uh getting round table gumbo back on a regular we'll be with you throughout the summer servants fight. Uh Tanner, I'm glad to hear you back in the in the saddle with me again. You sound uh you sound good. I know you kinda of been fighting it and there's kind of a lot going on there, but it's always well, uh, I got, I had a pleasure a, privilege. I had a five twenty two glucose today. So, and of course, you know, the VA, everybody freaked out, but I mean, I'm not actually doing well at all. This, this gives me, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this and I, you know, I go down rabbit holes from time to time of how sports city chefs used to be. We talk sports, but we would go talk about life a lot um, because sports is life. You know, and for a lot of us, sports saved our lives, you know, kept us from doing dumb things, kept us, saved us in the moment, or just gave us a break from things, you know, from death, from, from you know, loved ones dying and, and doing the show and talking and all of that stuff, man. And, 
And, like, honestly, I'm sick as a dog today, but doing a show helps because for a couple, for an hour and a half, I don't have to think about how sick I am, you know? I don't have to think about how I feel. I can just talk about something that makes me laugh, makes me smile, makes me angry, whatever it is, but it gives me a break. Because that's what sports is supposed to do. It gives us a break sometimes, you know? It gives us a break. And that's what I want. I 100% agree with that. Well, I was going to say because like we have, you know, some, some, some of the guys who have had some losses lately. But from the years of knowing him and knowing how sports was important to those people that they love, I know there's going to come a point where they're sitting around and, and, it, and they're sad, and it's one of those days where, you know, the pain of that loss is, is banging you. And then a game will come on or a commercial will come on and a thought will come on when you had a conversation with that loved one or maybe when they taught you how to play that sport or whatever it is, and you smile, right? You smile. You don't even know you're smiling. And then you sniff and up comes and says, oh, what are you smiling about? And you tell them that story that just popped into your head. And for five minutes, sports has made you feel better. Five minutes. You say five minutes ain't a lot. Five minutes is a lot when you're struggling. Five minutes is is an eternity. (laughs) Go ahead, man. Go ahead, Mike. You know, I agree with you. I I think it is a break from life. Uh, Life can be hard. Uh, It can have its challenges. And I think the other thing that sports does is it sometimes allows people – from different backgrounds and different uh, upbringings and, 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 and with different perspectives to find common ground and learn from each other as well. Uh, there were people yeah. on sports teams that we grew up in different neighborhoods and whatever else and became the best of friends and really learned to relate to each other and understand each other on a different level that without sports, uh, we would have never had that, and we neither one of us would have would have grown to the extent that we grew as people, right? And so, I look at that, and we always say the Sports City Chefs family. A lot of ways we are because when you think about like there are guys that are on certain sports teams, you end up spending a, a lot of time in the course of the season. You end up being around those guys and spending more uh, waking hours around those guys than even people in your family sometimes, right? So. Uh, you know, I, I love that we get to come together on this and share perspectives and talk. You know, Chandler and I didn't know each other from Adam uh, the first time he called in to the Sunday, uh, the time of Sunday morning brunch, famous plug, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sundays. Check it out. Me and Time was coming at you uh, with the weekend's news and information on things going ahead. But we chopped it up on there, and he called into a couple other shows, and then we kind of went back and forth with each other a couple times, and then we were like, well, let's do this together. Right, and so uh, we started doing this show together, and like I said, man, I always look forward to it. And uh, you know, I, I check in with you from time to time in between, and I always, I always say, man, my phone's always open. And uh, so I, I, I definitely appreciate you, and I appreciate the uh, uh, the working relationship, but you know, the 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 friendship that we're continuing to build, and, and you know, we can always take a few minutes. Uh, and talk about life because without life, there's no sports, right? Like, mm. and yeah, and, and 
at the end of the day, like that that's where it, that's where it all begins and, and ends. So, uh, but glad to be able to chop it up with you for a while. And, and you're right. Like sometimes people say five minutes isn't very long or this isn't very long, but sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, and just that little bit of break or that little bit of diversion uh, to to somebody. Yeah. Definitely, uh, I appreciate that. The Braves took care of the Phillies tonight. I'll say that. That was good to see. Uh, Dodgers, man, I say you better get them now. Might be a little bit too late. We'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll see how long Aries is out, but the kids are starting to kind of uh, settle in for them. And so they're going to mess around and figure out what they got in some of these kids and then figure out what direction they want to go uh, money-wise later on. So, uh the Dodgers are uh, are still doing their thing, right? Like in the uh, National League West. Yeah. Diamondbacks are fun to watch. You got a chance to watch Corbin Carroll any? Oh man, listen! I told you that the Diamondbacks were going to be. I wasn't sure if they were going to be good, but I knew they were going to fight. That is a very talented team, man. That team has a lot of talent, brother. Man, listen! If they manage to put it together, listen, it's going to be a problem. I love that team. Love everything about it. That that team's a lot of fun. Um, and listen, they're not quite there in the standings yet, uh, but there's a lot of you know. We talk. I talked about the young talent in Baltimore. Uh, mm. Some of it from development, and some of it from trades. There's a lot of budding talent coming up in Cincinnati too. Yeah, uh, they got to get a better manager. Call- they they do, but we got they're, they're taking a look at the players. They recently called up the shortstop McLean. They got the kid Christian Canasian. There's a lot of talent. Uh, David Cruz coming up in the system uh, from Cincinnati. They got a, a lot of good young arms too. So, and then uh, the other central team, uh, the Cardinals are starting to turn things around a little bit after a really really slow start. Uh, you know they're starting to bounce back and turn things around a little bit too. So. We'll see. The Mets have been playing a little bit better lately until they ran into the Cubs uh, this week. Yeah, they kind of got they kind of got a hand to them. Cubs have sort of been up and down. Uh, Shohei's doing Shohei things. Uh, a, a kid to look out for with the Angels too is this uh, Mickey Moniak, uh, number one overall pick. Uh, kind of struggled in his previous stop, but he's looking to kind of looking like he's settling down a little bit. So. Uh, he was in Philly is where he was before. So um, I think he was part of the Logan O'Hoppy trade. Uh, but just keep an eye out for him. This is a team that, uh, I, you know, the Rangers are doing exactly what you and I said they were going to do, though. And some of this some of this is without uh, DeGrom. Chandler, we've got about a minute and a half left. Do you have any other closing thoughts or things you want to throw out before we get ready to sign off? And shut the doors here. No, a lot of fun. A lot of fun tonight, man. Appreciate you showing up, and I'll see you next week. I appreciate you uh, starting off for me. And we, like I said, we got all the end of school stuff going on. So uh, just trying to pop in here. Been riding around the car for part of the show. So my apologies if the audio quality has been a little less than uh, stellar this week. But glad to be able to do this as always, man. Check out the blog, the website, all the things we got going on at sportscitychefs.com. Uh, Barber's shop on Clubhouse, man. We got a, a house open and we got some rooms from time to time, so 
Uh, just hit the notification bell so you can be notified when we open up stuff. We've got the college cookout on Wednesday night, the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sundays. Um, and then we also have a front office show, I think, coming up uh, very soon as well. And Chandler and I bring it to you on Thursday night. So the same Louisiana, man, they they make on Wednesday. And the time is always says we sign off, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, well, now they do. Now they know. Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse MF Doom, the clouds loom to tell a-